my name is Rutena Nyamuda and welcome to another very educational episode of In My Twenties. In My Twenties. So today is our 21st episode, which means we get the golden key and we're officially legal in every single country. Can anybody say international, international? So really, really excited to have our guest on the show. He is a phenomenal, extraordinary person, extraordinary human being with a, such a beautiful story. So without further delay, welcoming himself onto the In My Twenties podcast and into the In My Twenties family, here he is. Uh, 中国的 expert. Hi, my name is Nsansa Junyangulube. My Chinese name is Ji Luyi. And I would like to think of myself as an aspiring China-Africa enthusiast slash expert in the making. Now on every episode of the In My Twenties podcast, my guests always come through with these phenomenal mind moments or gem moments. And this is just one of them. A lot of people think that Chinese people here or Chinese people outside of China, mm-hmm. wherever they are, aren't very hospitable and they're closed off and whatnot. Mm. But people tend to underestimate what language or the kind of barrier that language or the inability to speak a language can create. Mm. The In My Twenties podcast is split up into three sections. In the first section, we're going to hear a little bit more about Nshantan's career journey. In the second section, we dive into today's topic, which is all about culture, customs, and Nshantan's experience in China. Then rounding up all three sections is a conversation about his 20s journey. So without further delay, let's get straight into it. Nshantan... Your career journey and career history, like okay. it is fascinating. But take us through the journey from, you know, where you're from, a bit of your background, what you studied, where you studied and how you ended up where you are today. Okay, sure. So I am originally from Zimbabwe. I was born there mm-hmm. um, and I, or rather my family relocated to Johannesburg in 1993. And, you know, we've been there ever since, uh, besides a two year stint in Germany. But then after matriculation, Went to Cape Town, UCT. You were there too. Yes. <laughs> Studied finance, um, finished that. And then I went and worked in the financial services industry as a investment consultant. Mm. And, you know, to be blunt, I hated it. Okay. Um, it's funny because I knew from the second week I was there that it just wasn't going to work out. Mm. Um, what was it? Was it like the environment? Was it the people? Was I, it no, the no, work? no. I just think that I think it was the work. And I think you need a certain kind of personality to do the whole finance thing. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, while I was still studying, you know, in Cape Town, mm. um, I remember one of my finance courses, we started doing a lot of work regarding China. We started doing a lot of case studies regarding China and what China was doing in Africa and what mm. China meant for the um, developing community, mm-hmm. um, particularly because they were following this very aggressive growth trajectory. Mm. And, you know, it was somewhat of a miracle and no one actually knew where China was heading. Mm. So I think looking back in retrospect, that's where my interest started wow. in China. So while I was working in, you know, that financial services job that I hated. <laughs> no names mentioned, I see. It's so strategic. You know it. And financial, <laughs> they will know. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so while I was working there, I mean, whenever I have a free moment, I was always like reading articles, mm. journals and whatnot about mm-hmm. China and Africa. Mm-hmm. And my very first, I guess, idea or brainwave at that point in time was, you know, I've got a bit, you know, a bit of money because mm-hmm. I'm working. Why not look for a Chinese school or a Chinese teacher and learn Mandarin Chinese? Uh, because the way things are going, it looks like they're going to be a very, I guess, important player mm-hmm. in the global economy. So I ran a quick Google search and... It's funny because I didn't find a, a Chinese teacher, but what I found was a yeah. scholarship to go and study in China. Oh, wow. To either learn the language, yeah. to do your undergraduate degree, yeah. or to do a postgraduate degree. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, wow, you know, here's this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I may or may not get it, but let me just try either way. Mm-hmm. So um, I put in an application. I did the whole process. Wow. And the first round was just all, um, I guess, a digital application form mm-hmm. as well as supporting documents, you know, like your usuals, like mm-hmm. your transcripts, letters of re- recommendation. Mm-hmm. So um, I put through that application with mm-hmm. all the supporting documents and I kind of just let it go. And I was like, look, whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. Whatever doesn't, doesn't. And then fast forward a couple of weeks, I get invited for an interview. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, that's when things were actually like, oh, snap, like this could actually be a possibility. So um, I had to fly down to Joburg because the interview was at the Department of Higher Education and Training. Mm -hmm. So I literally flew down for one day just for that interview. Mm -hmm. Um, Sat through the interview. It was probably one of the best interviews I've ever had. Okay. Um, what did they ask you? Like, how much Mandarin can you speak? No, no. At that point, I couldn't speak anything. Okay. I could speak nothing at all. Okay. But I just had the interest. So they asked me a lot about, you know, things related to China, mm. uh, some current developments, mm. um, current affairs related questions, mm. all, all that were all revolving around China. Mm. And because I'd been reading about the topic since university, mm. it was, you know, it didn't you feel knew. like an interview, it just felt like a conversation. Yes, yeah. So I remember leaving that feeling really, really good about myself. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to Cape Town, back to that job. <laughs> <laughs> At that place. At that place. With those people. <laughs> with those people. <laughs> no shame, the people were amazing. <laughs> okay. They're actually the ones that got me through it. Okay, okay. Um, so I went back uh-huh. and then didn't hear back from the Department of Education and Training for a couple of weeks. Mm. Um, and then next thing, I just got notification that I'd been selected for the scholarship. Amazing. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, things just had to happen. I had to leave Cape Town. I had to resign my job. I had to move out of my apartment in Cape Town. I had to sell stuff. Wow. Um, all of that had to happen within a short period of time. Wow. And then I moved back to Joburg. Yeah. And then I was here in transit. And mm. then I went to China. I remember everything happened so fast. Mm. And then before I knew it, I was on the plane going to China. And at this point, all I could say was ni hao, like, which is hi, <laughs> okay. right? I couldn't say anything else. Well. And then I landed there, um, got picked up by a taxi driver, which the school had organized. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in the taxi car and, I, and I'd read before that, you know, in Chinese culture, um, hospitality is super important. Mm. So where you kind of, if you're offered something, you should try not to decline. Mm-hmm. So I remember sitting in the taxi and then the taxi driver offered me a cigarette <laughs> and I don't smoke. But then I remember thinking like, oh my word, if I say no, he might think I'm rude. Mm-hmm. So then I remember I took this, the cigarette and I yeah. started smoking it. <laughs> and I remember I was coughing my lungs out in that, in that taxi ride oh and he was God. laughing. And in that moment, there's just like this realization that like, okay, you know, you're doing this, it's happening. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, this is it. This is where the journey begins. I love 
that. This is this is real because it's kind of like as you said, like everything happens so quickly. You're just yeah. like there's no time to think about it. It's like I'm going, I'm going. Exactly, exactly. Even the thought of I think when people think about going overseas or studying overseas or exploring something different. Yeah. I don't know if China is the first place you think about. That's the thing. And that's a question or rather, yeah, a question that a lot of people asked me mm. and still ask me to this mm. day. So why China? Um, why China? And I think it's particularly because of the role that they're playing in the global economy. Okay. Um, if you look at what's happening, particularly in Africa with like FOCAC, um, with BRICS mm. and all of that. Um, but the FOCAC is the Forum on China-Africa Cooperation. The biggest stage where China basically formulates and plays out its Africa strategy. Okay. Yeah. So looking at all of that, it's very difficult to deny that the globe is pivoting towards the East. Mm. And then you look at what's happening in Europe, you mm. look at what's happening in you know North America. And these are economies that have traditionally been, I guess, the leading figures. And now all of a sudden there's this interesting development where you have this player from the East, being China, mm. stepping up to the plate and offering alternatives to the rest of the world. Mm. And so that for me was like, okay, damn, this is going to be huge. Yeah. And I need to make sure that I position myself with where things are going. But how, how has China become so powerful and so strong in Africa? But I also think it was done under the radar. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's actually a lot of information available out there mm. on China's involvement in Africa. Mm -hmm. And I think that people aren't aware of it or other people think it's happening underground just because, you know, they're not reading up on the, on the topic. Mm -hmm. And also, if you look at, you know, some of the traditional, I guess, mainstream sources of media, mm -hmm. they are your Western media brands, right? Mm. And a lot of them, it's in their interest to try and keep the China story as suppressed as possible. Wow. Um, because if you, I guess let people onto the fact that China is growing in the world, mm. then if China is growing, someone needs to be shrinking, right? If you look at the European and particularly the American involvement in Africa, yeah. it's definitely mm. losing ground to China. So not to talk about race, mm -hmm. but black man in goes China. to China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, first of all, how many other black people are in China um, that you well, saw? Okay. In my region, not a lot. Mm -hmm. So I know um, China has a huge African population in the south, okay. in uh, Guangzhou, mm -hmm. which is a city known for uh, manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of um, Africans, particularly West Africans, mm -hmm. go to Guangzhou to set up import-export businesses okay. to send things back to Africa. Okay. Think um, electronics, think... Um, Clothing and apparel, yeah. textiles, all mm. of that is facilitated mostly through the southern area of China. Mm -hmm. Where I was in the northeast, there weren't a lot of black people there, so you wouldn't see that many outside of the school. Mm. Even in, within the school, there weren't, ma weren't many. Okay. So how did people react when they saw you? Well, I mean, obviously people, they just like look, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, wow, there's a foreigner there. There's, a, someone, there's a, someone black there. Mm -hmm. Some people like take pictures. Mm -hmm. um, some people ask if they can come take pictures with you. Mm -hmm. Well, you're just um, like, no flash photography. Yeah. <laughs> what can I sign? <laughs> but it's, it's interesting because I don't think that's just, I don't think that's like a black issue because a lot of my foreign friends, even those who weren't black, mm. experienced similar things. Okay. People just taking unsolicited pictures mm. or asking for pictures. Mm. Or coming to you and asking you like why a specific feature of yours is different, like oh, wow. why is your hair like that? Seriously, or is your, for example, a black girl with braids? Mm -hmm. Is this how your natural hair looks, 
or like you know how did you do that how long mm. did it take um if you wash your hair does it come out oh, you know things wow. like that okay i think it's all fueled from you know curiosity mm. but sometimes it can get annoying especially when you have like pictures taken of you without people asking mm. yeah mm. <laughs> like across the road and you've got yeah. this like zoom camera see, in and you just see this flash go off <laughs> <laughs> you're like no but my my chat around that is like what happened to those pictures like do they put them on the walls do they put them on the insta girl who knows (laughs) who knows what happens to those pictures and that's why i'm always like okay i mean that's why i feel uncomfortable when when that happens Mm, yeah your mom actually told us a very interesting story when i think she was going to like a massage parlor or spa Mm -hmm. and you started speaking to the ladies in mandarin they were like so surprised yeah yeah yeah. what is it like when you're in those environments and situations where you you know shock people it's so interesting because it just reminds me before I answer that actually a lot of people think that Chinese people here or Chinese people outside of China mm-hmm. wherever they are aren't very hospitable and they're closed off and whatnot mm. but people tend to underestimate what language or the kind of barrier that language or the inability to speak a language can create mm. so a lot of them actually their English isn't that great mm-hmm. um, so if you speak to them in English, already there's a barrier that they have to overcome just to connect with you. Wow. I found that if you speak to someone in their language, mm. you are not only speaking to their heart, but you are in effect tearing down that language barrier that mm. prevents them from, I guess, bringing their full self to the interaction. Mm. Which is why, you know, when I go to shops and I speak to the owners or the um servers in Chinese Mm -hmm. they number one become super enthusiastic Mm -hmm. and then I'm always offered discounts and reduced prices and I think that's just like a showing of their appreciation that I took time and effort to learn their language that's amazing what are the similarities and differences between the cultures cultures Mm. I mean you said you're born in Zim raised in South Africa and you know the Chinese culture yeah so what I found was actually quite interesting that there are a lot of similarities between, I would say, their culture mm. and my culture. And when I say they, I, I specifically mean... Um, so you get a lot of like dialects and, and minority cultures in China. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if you're looking at the Han um, group, which is the majority group in China, mm-hmm. I'm referring to that specific ethnicity, Han Chinese people. Okay. okay. So there is a very big um, importance placed on... Um, respecting your parents and your elders which mm-hmm. i'm sure you know is something that that we're, we're, all, we're all used to but i mean <laughs> seeing how that is performed was quite interesting because mm. it was exactly the same as my culture so for example um in eating you let them dish first mm. um whatever they say you take that you, you don't question them on that even yeah. if they may be wrong yeah you know you have to just respect that their perspective is coming from, you know, experience and whatnot. Mm. Um, There's certain things that you wouldn't do because it would, uh, I guess, um, not embarrass, but like, or rather, let me say, you are taught to avoid where possible bringing shame to mm. you, your elders. 100%. Uh, you know, all, all of these things that we're used to yes. to, to hearing about. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, that was very interesting for me. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the respect and, and not questioning things is something very interesting that I've seen. Yeah. Um, so different, especially in, you know, growing up in South Africa. Yeah. Um, some, you know, cultures or 
mm-hmm. la- like they're of culture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, but but it, it's fascinating to have observed people yelling back at their parents. Yeah, yeah. I could never. Same, same, never. Never even think about yeah, it. Yeah, The thought is erased before yeah, it even comes to you. Exactly. And 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 also, I mean, coming back to language, and and I know you mentioned business earlier. What was fascinating for me to see is that um, Chinese is the most spoken language. I know you spoke about it as an umbrella. Um, I think it was like 1.2 billion people speak it as a native. A billion of those speak mm. Mandarin, Yeah, I yeah. think. And then second was Spanish. Oh, wow. Um, and then third was English. Mm. And it's just like very interesting because I think naturally people think, oh, everyone speaks English or everyone speaks English as a second language, but mm. it's not. And to your point about where people are going and where business is going, mm. like, when it comes to it, you're just like, well, I can speak the language, which will yeah. separate you from the sure. next person. And it's funny that we're speaking about language because a lot of people, they say to me, oh, wow, you, oh, 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 wow, you learned Chinese. So mm. you've been colonized by the Chinese. And this, <laughs> you know, the, the Chinese are like neo-colonizers mm-hmm. in Africa. But then I think to myself, okay, um, how do you think you got to speak English? How do you think you got to this point of speaking English? Do you know what I mean? Do you think you just work at speaking exactly. English? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, this is an issue that goes all the way back in, in time, right? Yeah, yeah. And I always just say that, and it's funny to see the lights coming in people's eyes and be like, oh, you know, you're, not, you're actually onto something. Because mm. if you think about it, English didn't come from Africa. Mm-mm. It didn't. No. English did not come from Africa. No. But people tend to look at Chinese and look at it as a foreign language and think English isn't a foreign language. Yeah. Just wow. my, my, my Perspective. Yeah. Wisdom. <laughs> Wisdom. Um, and then like maybe 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 rounding up and semi semi rounding up because I know you spoke about some interesting uh, there was the, the cultural experience of your mm. you and your taxi driver. Yeah, yeah. What other interesting stories have you experienced or what one experience were you like, oh my gosh, this is hectic? Uh, professionally or um or while you were in China. Um, either way, either, either way. way. Yeah. Okay, so professionally, like some of the biggest things that I was fortunate enough to experience in China was number one, I got to um, participate in the model BRICS Forum in Shanghai, okay. which basically tried to recreate the BRICS Forum, which was happening that same year. Oh, wow. And then I also got to represent my university at the Model United Nations Conference in New York oh, wow. in 2017. Um, I was selected as one of two foreign students in a team of 12. Mm. Um, so there were 10 local Chinese students. And then we went to New York and represented our university wow. at the conference at the United Nations. That was really, and what really ex- cool. How was that experience? Oh, that was amazing. That sure. was amazing. That's actually, I think, when I really thought to myself, okay, look, you can actually take this China-Africa thing mm. much further than you actually thought you could. Mm. So that actually was a life-changing yeah. um, experience for me. Because that's the world. Like people, that's the world, People's yeah. mindsets and mind views mm. are only as big as what you've seen and what you've experienced, mm. right? And to go that high, I mean, it's yeah. the UN. Yeah, it's you're not, you're right, not playing, you're not right, playing. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so, so that was that. Mm-hmm. And, and then personally? Personally, you... There's just been so, so many different stories. <laughs> I love the look on your face right now. You're like the having flash, flashbacks. I'm, I'm, trying figure, I'm trying to figure out which ones, which ones are appropriate for your podcast. <laughs> PG-related <laughs> ones. No, give them all. Give them any. PG-related ones. Non-PG-related ones. Yeah, yeah obviously, obviously non-PG-related. Um, I would probably say... Um, 
So I have, I have a really good friend that I made in China. Mm. Um, his English name is Frank. Okay. And uh, he his family comes from a, a village area. Mm-hmm. So he was at my university. His mm-hmm. family comes from a village area. And um, this guy's like super, super smart. Okay. You know, got a scholarship to study university mm. and whatnot, which was like great given, you know, the background of his family. Mm-hmm. So he invited me back to, you know, his home village. Mm. And um, I went there. And it was so interesting to see, because obviously, you know, I, I know African village life, mm. rather like, you know, Zimbabwean village yes, life. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was just so interesting to see how, what they considered the village there just didn't look like what I thought a village would look like, mm. if that makes sense. Describe just because it? They're just very, um, what is it, creative in trying to like find solutions to typical village problems. So okay. for example in the house or the structure that they live in the bed um uh it's kind of like constructed so the base is constructed out of concrete Mm -hmm. um but underneath the bed is like a furnace where they put they keep burning wood and it keeps the surface of the the bed warm and hot so you sleep on top of that and it's literally so warm at night oh wow Uh, obviously they put like a thin mattress yeah but you sleep on that and you would just like that amount of warmth Wow. Just was it was just like mind mind <laughs> blowing, and, and I know I'm probably not making sense, but just no. there's that, and then also the sense of community where people would just come together and cook and eat together. Oh wow! Um, I could yeah. do that. Yeah, twenty something year old. It's better now. My yeah. finances are better now. <laughs> Mine is still wow. a low key struggle. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a struggle. It's always yeah. a struggle. That is amazing. Mm. That is, amazing. and I think a lot of it just comes down to just like. Look, Chinese people are very, they're, they're proud people. Mm. And regardless of the circumstances, they always put their pride mm. first. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's very rare to find, to see someone begging. Mm, okay. You know? Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting because I think it also comes down to the human connection. Sure. And, and the humanity of being human. At yeah. the base of everything, it's this idea that you have community, you have yeah. family, you have this culture. And um, that's the core of Confucianism, mm. of the Confucius, I guess, thought system, mm. is that, you know, we're all connected and the family structure, community structure is central to everything. Mm, mm. Mm. Beautiful. Amazing. So what are, you, yeah. what are you doing at the moment? How did you get into what you're doing at the moment? Yes. And why are you speaking Chinese? So, <laughs> <laughs> so right now I'm working for a um, consulting firm. Um, mm. I guess I, I shouldn't mention the name of the, of the company, right? I mean, if it's an impositive mic. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm working at Deloitte. Mm-hmm. And the division I'm working at is specifically called Deloitte Africa and Emerging Markets. Mm. So within that, I do, well, I fulfill three roles. Number one is research. Mm-hmm. Um, number two is I am in charge of Deloitte Africa's um, China desk, mm. um, which is basically how we facilitate um, business coming through from China. Okay. And then my third role is business development. So any clients interested in pursuing business in Africa and in certain industries, mm. we take them to those countries and kind of put together an investment roadshow for them okay. and introduce them to key players within their industry. Okay. So last year of July, we took some big automotive clients to Nigeria. Mm. Um, this year, we're taking some other automotive clients, but to Ethiopia because mm. there are opportunities there. So, yeah, in terms of the Chinese clients, a lot of that is basically facilitating their um, 
I guess, um, intentions to break into Africa. Mm. So, Nshantla, what advice or what, you know, would you leave people? <laughs> what would you say to them um, when it comes to China and understanding China? I would say go in with an open mind. Mm-hmm. Go in with an open mind. And where possible, leave your prior beliefs or convictions at the door. Mm. And just be open. That, that's what I'd say. Just be open. I would really urge them to take a look at what's happening mm. and, you know, broaden their horizon and know that there are different stories out there. Mm. There are different, there are alternatives out there. Mm-hmm. Um, not everything is, you know, the West, the West, the West, yeah. as we've, you know, all grown yeah. up to believe. And particularly when it comes to like studying and furthering your education, mm. look, going to the UK, going to Europe, going to the US, that's great. But also just be aware that there are other alternatives mm. and also the world is shifting gears. Mm. Give us a summary of what your 20s journey has been from that moment you hit that to yeah. zero. Um, when, I first, when I first hit my 20s, that was that second year, right? Mm. Yeah. So at that point, I was convinced that I was going to be a CA mm. because you know, coming from high school, everyone's like, you know, you need to be a CA if you don't if you don't really know what you're going to do or what you want to do. <laughs> Casual. Yeah, because <laughs> everyone seemed to have this belief that being a CA would give you like options in life mm. and that you could learn things about different businesses mm-hmm. while doing auditing. Mm-hmm. And also, a lot of people used to talk about the paycheck, okay. the CA paycheck. Okay. So I was doing that and I didn't really like it. The fact that I wasn't really fully engaged was reflecting the way that my marks weren't as good. Mm. I mean, they weren't bad, but they're mm-hmm. just like average. Mm-hmm. You weren't getting A's, you were getting B's. <laughs> Not even, girl. <laughs> and I just, it just didn't seem like something I could see myself doing. Mm. So, um, you know, I was confused as to what I wanted to do. And then I ended up just changing to finance mm-hmm. and then I went to that job. And mm-hmm. even then I was like, okay, is this what I really want to be doing? Yeah. And I had a lot of friends who continued with the CA thing mm-hmm. and they were like, you know, you were going to be earning money. Mm-hmm. And everyone's just talking about like this money thing, this money thing. And then I got to a point where I was like, okay, look, money is fine, but there yeah. are different ways to get there. Yes. And... Um, that's actually when I decided to like break out and do my own thing. Mm. So my twenties for me, I have really been characterized by just breaking away from what's expected of me. Mm. Cause I remember even when I broke away from that, like I got a call from my dad telling me like, if you continue with this, like if you don't do CA thing, yes. X number of years, you'll be working for one of your classmates. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that, that was his quote, actually. <laughs> really? I wonder if he remembers that. I was asking, but yeah, he, he told me because I remember I, I called him and I was like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm 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 no longer pursuing this here." Mm. And he was like, "Okay, that's fine, but you know, as your father, it's my duty to tell you that if you don't, if you don't become a CA, mm-hmm. X number of years from now." you'll be working for one of your classmates. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> And what did you say to that? Like, what was your response? Well, I mean, I, I knew that he comes from a certain generation. First of all, my dad, he, when he finished his master's degree, mm. he worked for the same company from that point up until, like, 2016, I think. Yeah. So he, he's one of those, like, long service people, and he worked mm-hmm. his way up to end up being CEO of Africa for that company. Mm. So I knew that his way of understanding careers and yes. career growth and whatnot is completely different from where things are going now mm. in this new age. 
So I really wasn't expecting him to be, you know, on board mm-hmm. from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting now because when I speak to him and, you know, we chat about, like, what I've done, you know, where I've been and where I am now, mm. he sees it now. Yeah. He sees that. Yeah. And a lot of people, they wait for others to see the vision mm-hmm. before they make the decision. Um, and I'm so thankful that I wasn't one of those people mm. and I just had that conviction back then and sure. did what I wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. Two amazing things you've just said is one on the money thing. Mm-hmm. And I know even studying what I studied, yeah. media, um, <clears throat> people always said, but what are you going to do? You're going to be a struggling artist. And I know people said it off the cuff, like a joke thing, but they really meant that if you're not studying to be a CA or a lawyer or a doctor or a conventional career, mm-hmm. also with the mindset of what our parents thought were good conventional careers, that you wouldn't make it. Mm. Um, but you also have to forge your own path That's and make true. your own way at the end mm. of the day. Um, and then also on what you said about vision, yeah, which was beautiful, is I think that God has given us all visions for our lives yeah. and all dreams, but he didn't tell the next person. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. So exactly. why would they know what exactly. you've been told in secret, right? There it is. So that's always fair. And trying to explain it. So that's why they say sometimes, especially when your idea or a dream is so small, be so careful who you share that with mm. because they'll tell you all the reasons why it's not going to work. Yeah. And you need to keep pushing. And that's what you did. I yeah. mean, going to yeah. China, it's not like, hey, I went to, you yeah. know, if you had said you had gone to the UK or America yeah. or something that was very much in the West, anyone yeah. would have gone, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But now you're like, I'm going to China. Like, and I'm sure people were like, hmm. No, yeah. A lot of people actually told me I was crazy. And yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna regret it. And there was a point where I let that get to me because I came back, mm. and so now I had this this master's degree mm. um, from China. What was your master's in? It was in international relations. Okay. I had this degree, and then I was applying for jobs, mm-hmm. and a lot of recruiters they didn't get it. Mm. A lot of them were looking at me like I was crazy, like okay, wow. like this doesn't make sense. Like okay, everything else makes sense, but then there's this China thing. Wow. Why you know why is that? And then eventually I ended up having an interview with my current boss Mm. and he, firstly, he did his, um, I think his PhD in South Korea Mm. and he was one of the first, I guess, players in the China Africa space. Wow. He has been involved with China Africa for a number of years now. Mm. And so when I had an interview with him and we just chatted about this thing, the first thing he told me was, look, recruiters here in South Africa they're not going to get it yeah they're not going to get it wow so you know you shouldn't be surprised that 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 was an issue mm. I've I never really knew where things were going but I just followed the feeling mm. and it was messy mm. because there was no set or predefined path yeah so I look at my friends who did the CA thing for yeah. them they had exams and benchmarks each year so they knew they could benchmark their progress Mm. but i had no idea where i was going yeah what was going to amount to if Mm. it was going to amount to anything Mm. i just had to trust that it felt good and it felt right sure yeah and look at you now look at you now pioneering (laughs) that's the thing is you're pioneer that's the thing about pioneering there's no path there's no path and that's why i think it's 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 very difficult the people who have spoken about who was spoken to like yourself who are doing their own thing yeah it's scary and it's tricky and yeah. you probably find yourself crying more times than you should and you're no, just yeah, so yeah. frustrated yeah. and you're like what is happening and you're so unsure and you're so unsure yeah. but there's no part you are literally creating that path for the yeah. next person who's like oh and Shantla did it i'm I, gonna yeah, follow i'm gonna follow yeah you're the one shoveling i hope so i hope so mm, i yeah. believe that i believe that thank you so let's talk about 
Quarter life crisis. Okay. Hit me. Have you experienced the quarter life crisis? Believe it or not, some people haven't. I'm shook. Yeah. What was your quarter life crisis and how did you come out of it? Um, yeah, so I think I experienced my quarter life crisis actually at 25 years old mm. when I was at that job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> I love the way you say that job. Yeah, <laughs> because at that point I was like, okay, you know, maybe my dad was right. I'm going to end up working for one of my CA friends mm. and whatnot. So I was just like, I don't know. A part of me was like, you know, maybe I should have. Maybe I should have studied this. Maybe mm. I shouldn't have studied this. Mm. Maybe I should have been like more strategic back in matric about what I wanted to do and mm. been more, you know, careful in terms of my planning. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just look back at my past decisions and thought, you know, I could have done more mm. because those past decisions are actually what led me to where I was at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that was actually kind of like a rough, rough period. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, as I touched on before, that's actually when the whole, like, China thing yeah. opened up. Or rather, that's when I gained the conviction to actually pursue it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the coming out of it, I guess, was you just, you felt uncomfortable and you were yeah. still like, let me move in the direction that I f- exactly. feel is good. Yeah, because yeah. at that point, I felt like I was at rock bottom mm-hmm. and it couldn't get any worse. Okay. And it's funny because I say rock bottom... But I had a I had a job, a mm. paying job. I had a roof over my head. Mm. I had you know clothes on my back, mm. and you know all those things that you that would make a comfortable life, mm. right? So with that in mind, I really also felt kind of like I don't know. I felt like I didn't have a right to feel like I was yeah in a crisis because yeah. I had all those things, right? Mm. Um, so it was also very confusing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I found as like millennials, our gen- generation. Money is not top of our pyramid. Exactly. It's fulfillment. That's the thing. And and you're searching for something. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. You were not fulfilled on a holistic, spiritual, this is purpose. Yeah. It was the the purpose shake, maybe. Yeah. Mm. So um, I just felt like, okay, look, this is probably as bad as it can get. Mm. And when I say bad, I mean like feeling unfulfilled Mm. without a purpose. And then... Before I continue, it's strange because I didn't feel like I could use those reasons to explain to my parents. No, you can't. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Smart news. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I, I knew I I couldn't use those reasons to explain to them why I wanted to leave where I was. They'll say, what do you mean unfulfilled? Exactly. (laughs) You know those conversations. I mean, what do you mean unfulfilled? Is fulfillment going to pay for yourself? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So I I knew that... the onus was on me mm. to fix the situation. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then, I mean, I guess in summation mm-hmm. is what advice would you leave for, you know, people in their twenties at the moment? It's never too late. Mm-hmm. That's what I have to say to them. It's never too late. If you, if you have that feeling that you aren't where you need to be and you know, you listening out there, you'll know exactly what feeling I'm talking about. Just know that it's never too late. And the more that you ignore the feeling, the louder it gets. Mm. And that's just your life trying to direct you towards where you should be. And you should always, always remember that it's never too late. So it is the 21st episode of the In My 20s podcast. And I must make a confession. These are my confessions. Um, Out of all the episodes of the In My 20s podcast thus far... 
I have never felt such a yearning and a need to read more of the of what's happening in the news and to watch the news. But just for food for thought, guys, I think you should also read up on China's involvement in Africa and China's involvement in the global economy and the impact, because ultimately these are things that affect us and impact us more than we actually think. Um, and just imagine this moment. Imagine this moment. This weekend, you're going to be chilling with your friends. You're going to be, you know, having a good time, catching up on things. You'll probably most likely talk about celebrity news and celebrity gossip and who's hating and who's dating. Um, but imagine this moment where you pause and you say to them, guys, you know what I've been thinking about lately is China's involvement on the African economy and China's involvement on the global economy and the impact. What are your thoughts on that? And see what they say. Just see what they say. Just see what they say and then let us know. Um, otherwise, thank you so much again, Tlantla, for coming on to today's show, for shedding light and ultimately doing what this podcast is meant to do. This podcast is supposed to be a platform for not only entertainment and engagement and conversation, but for education and enlightenment. So thank you so, so, so much for that. So we'll catch you same time, same place, right here on In My Twenties in my twenties, in my twenties. How old are you? I am Warchai Ashadua Sweat. Translation I am in my twenties. <laughs> okay, bye.